Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. We've got on the program right now, Andrew Dambina, who happens to be the presenter before Michael Lance every Saturday mornings. No, sorry, Saturday afternoons. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm fine, thanks, Noreen. How are you? I'm doing very well. Not very smooth, my my intro for you, but I was just thinking, I played Michael oh, Lance's trail. Oh, I just Noreen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I don't know why I say Saturday morning as well. I'm so used to saying that for week on three, funny I suppose. Week, yeah, it's exactly. A funny week. Use that as an excuse. Oh, thank you. It feels like a Monday somehow. I I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. A, a mid a midweek public holiday does that, doesn't it? it? Throws you off the week a little bit. Yeah, but um, usually Andrew's on every Thursday. But because we we didn't have the one two three show yesterday, I thought it'd be nice to get you back on to give us some. Um, Artsing around. Um, what sorts Great. of updates do you have for us uh, this afternoon? Very nice to be here too on this Friday. Well, um, yes, it's mostly international with one little bit of Hong Kong uh, linkage at the end. So you um, you had Michael Lance on you were you uh, as, a, as a little trail there you were saying, and um, this pegs beautifully into our first piece because um, the pop legend uh, Bruce Springsteen, a bit of a rock popper or some might just say rock yeah is taking yeah he's taking center stage on broadway for a second time a second run there's been a couple of years break in um in doing his own show uh, on broadway in the theater though it's at the st james theater and it began its second run last saturday um the last saturday of june that was uh, after a break of a couple of years, not entirely because of COVID, because the first time he put this show on, it was, uh, which is, by the way, an autobiographical piece that he's co-written himself. It's about his life because he is a uh, an, a, a veteran rock legend, you could say, rock pop legend. And it's, yeah, in Broadway. So it's 2,000 feet in this theatre and one New York music and theatre critic says, his name is Jesse Green, that the show is uh, quite different from its first incarnation. Now, he says because it feels that it's in a bit of a bigger venue, you know, this is harsh New York style um, critiquing. But however, 2,000 people is the uh, capacity in the theatre that it's now in. And previously, so it was just under 1,000. But can you imagine going to see someone as well-known as Bruce Springsteen talking about their life. It's not just talking about ad-libbing, it's very well-scripted, but it's, um, it's a far cry from the tens of thousands that he would normally attract to uh, concerts in massive auditoriums or outdoor venues and festivals in normal times, you know. So Just a different some... game he's playing. Completely, completely. Amazing. Um, and how old is he yeah, now? That's kind um, of... I... Let me check him out. Okay, while you're doing that, um, I, I'll, I'll just say that, I mean, for the diehard fans that are attending, I know I'm labouring the point possibly, but a lot of people, when, you, when you've got a, uh, a musical act, something to do with the show with a musical act, it's going to be the diehard fans or people with a passing interest as a fan, you know, the mild fans, if you like. So to see this, um, with the man himself taking centre stage is quite something. 
Does that, Seven, does that give you enough time to find it, out his age? Plenty. 71 years old. 71 yeah. years young. I mean, that's Absolutely. pretty amazing. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's, he's not very old, I, but still to no, have the energy, that's pretty indeed. remarkable. And, and it's not just taking to the stage every night. It's also um, playing some of his tunes. Um, it's, uh, it, it'll be in a, in a theatrical environment, so it won't be quite the kind of dancing around that you'd expect on a huge stage where people are looking maybe at a big video screen more than the stage, you know, just to grab their attention. It's quite different, of course, from uh, um, musical shows that have spotlighted successful singers or bands that, that have been around for some time, like We Will Rock You, which is one on Queen which has been uh, around the world touring, but it's not the members of Queen who are in it. Um, they may have once been in it. I think Adam Lambert did play a part in the, um, you know, Today's Queen lineup, doing it on stage a couple of times. But mostly when you have a musical, theatrical production, other ones, there are plenty of them, but just a couple that, that, that came to mind are, there was about The Who and, um, and ABBA, and there have been all of these other ones. You don't normally get the actual band members or, or, or soloists taking to the stage for every performance. So it's, um, it's, it's also pretty personal because at one point um, Springsteen brings out his wife, whose name is Patty uh, Skialfa, who is also a singer and, so- and songwriter, and they do a pair of duets. So uh, before before they do that, he, he does a little intro about how they first met, which is very personal, isn't it? Mm. So you think about two two thousand people in an auditorium compared to uh, you know belting them out and saying, "Hey, it's nice to be in this city." You know, the Are usual you ready, Hong yeah. Kong? Exactly, exactly. That kind of stuff. It's a bit different to that. So he's delving into things that really happened in his life, and uh, one critic uh, phrased it nicely, I think, in New York, saying that he cracks open his songs to explain why he wrote them and what they're about. You know, so it's kind of a bit, without being too geeky, I'm sure, it's analysis. Yeah, and that's really nice because sometimes you, you, you just want to hear why somebody's written a song, their own interpretation, what was going through their mind. And sometimes you get some yeah. sort of hearsay as you Google it, you know, speculations, yeah. but it's nice to sort of hear directly from the horse's mouth because usually you get bits and bobs at like, into at interviews whenever they talk about their yeah. songs, but not really at great length. So exactly, and really, yeah, yeah, yeah. To hear it without others reinterpreting it, I agree. Exactly. Yeah, although it's not so kind to call him a horse. I know he's seventy-one, <laughs> but there you go. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you're 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 an ex-drama student yourself, Noreen, aren't you? Can you imagine getting up on stage with your other half and telling your life story or how you met, or with your or with your kids to tell your story? Of course, it's very different because. He's one or two years older than you, so he's got more decades to kind of spill through anecdotes of. But but it's uh, but it does seem like a very musiciany thing to do, doesn't it? It'd be like a dream come true, Andrew. I'd love to stand in front of. <laughs> really? They'd have to. They'd no. have to pull the curtain down no. to get you off. Yeah. Like that. Call security. Right. Get her off the stage. <laughs> security. Wow. Well, after everyone's left the auditorium, get her off. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well. Um, apparently, um, another comment is that he reads much of the script from auto cue. Can't imagine you doing that, Noreen. You, you, you learn every word. No. But it, <laughs> yeah. Um, as a, a lot of it, not um, not to be overcritical, but some uh, who have 
given a critique of the uh, of the now running Broadway show, say that it's quite close in part to exactly what was written in the Born to Run uh, 2016 autobiography, which maybe he's paraphrasing, mm. you know, to, um, to to talk about it. But still, it's like an adaptation, yeah, from his yeah, autobiography, yeah, yeah. To, from page to stage, if you like. Hey, sure, yeah, although, although in a way, no, I mean, I think that's a good one. His PR wouldn't use it as that because people might, they might think, oh, people have bought the book. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's the point of coming? I might as well just read the book at home and put on a CD. So, um, oh, but it's a yeah, very different experience, way. like reading Shakespeare and watching Shakespeare, you know, being performed is very ah, different. I'm true, not comparing, true. I'm not saying Springsteen is Shakespeare, but, you know, it's, you can read. You might own. have a nice phrase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're quite right, though, of course. And also to hear it how he meant it, what should be emphasised beyond just the punctuation that you see on a page, indeed. By the way, for those interested, uh, the, the listener in Hong Kong, um, if if you happen to have Netflix, or if you have a friend that does, um, the original show, Springsteen on Broadway, um, that, that's the name of the uh, the first show and its second iteration that's going on right now on stage, has been made into a film from the first version uh, from, a, from uh, 2017 to 2018. So it can also be seen there. We're talking about something. We're talking about things, as we always do on Arching Around, that are going on around the world, but you can see what we're talking about should you be able to be able to get on Netflix? Um, so Springsteen on Broadway. Amazing. So talking, yeah, talking about musical things in the arts, uh, I've got another one following this, also in the US. It's an exhibition that focuses on hip-hop and other art forms from the deep south of the country. And while we spoke uh, a few months ago about a permanent new museum of hip-hop and its origins, which uh, is in the Bronx, New York City, a few months back, yeah. A temporary related exhibition with a focus on hip-hop because in the southern states there are a number of hip-hop artists who in more recent years, not since it very first came out in the 80s, but in more recent decades, including now, all of the Lil whoever's are mostly from the south, aren't they? Lil this and that. Um, there's a there's also a link with visual art too, and the exhibition is called "The Dirty South: Contemporary Art, Material Culture, and Sonic Impulse," and it goes right across music. That's and the title, Andrew. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, the, 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 that's, the, that's catchy. Yeah, the, 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 the Dirty South. It's a long one. The Dirty South. It starts off catchy, doesn't it? Let's analyze this title. <laughs> the Dirty South. Colon. Um, contemporary art, material culture, and the sonic impulse. It, it starts all catchy, and then it goes a bit academic, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> its curator, who is from uh, the Southern States, her name is Valerie Castle Oliver, and she also used to be at uh, Houston's Biggest Art Museum. She's been brainstorming this one for quite a number of years. When she moved to Virginia's Museum of Fine Arts in 2017, she managed to get the green light to put this on. And it's been three years in the making, in the digging up of uh, all kinds of archive material. And she says there's been a call and response between visual arts and musicians for more than 100 years of black music and art in the southern states of America. And she admits that the show was also born out of her own love and affection of southern hip-hop in America. 
So she says, the rise of Southern hip-hop gave a really new sense of pride to being Southern in America. And she has noticed lots of traits that go on in the genres that Southern hip-hop videos and in its lyrics, which all really do attach words and pictures in music videos to the landscape, the religion, and the whole black community. Well, black community and hip-hop is a given across America, I would have thought, but the specific landscape and religion in the uh, in those southern states are coming out in so a lot of those lyrics and music videos. And she also adds, this is quite interesting, that the black community in the southern states predate the black communities in New York. They go back to 1690 oh, under wow. British colonial rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're some of the first black settler communities in the whole of uh, America. So that means that some of the first ever art and music would be a lot later than some of the more well-known metropolitan cities around the country. So to see more of the exhibits in this show, um, you can see quite a bit online. It's quite interesting. At the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts um, Museum site, which is vmsa.museum. So... That's worth that's worth a look. That's definitely um, some worth of a look. The, yeah, it is. And some of the oldest, there's, there's some interesting clips of old archive film as well, because some of the first blues and jazz, of course, came from the southern states in America and became jazz is like an American musical art form, we all think. But of course, you know, many people know already, but it had its origins in black music in America. And a lot of that was from the southern states. So interesting. And... Continuing with this musical theme that uh, we've had so far in Arting Around, UK music festivals. So usually a big part of the not-very-warm-all-year-round country, uh, the UK, has been on and off for the last couple of years. There's been a huge spike in, uh, in COVID-19 cases in the past few weeks I, I noticed that a few days ago 200,000 plus cases were mentioned in of new cases spreading across the UK which has hit music festivals for this summer really in a big way last year COVID-19 wiped out the UK summer festival season completely and then it looked hopeful for this year um, only a handful took place last year, but it looks like until now there's been just one cancellation after another. With all the vaccinations in the UK, because uh, it was the second most uh, highly vaccinated country after Israel, they hoped that a lot of the summer concerts would be able to go ahead. But, but no, the years, no. Glastonbury no. might be back next year. Next year, yeah. <laughs> Next but Glastonbury was one of the first ones to be cancelled because it's one of the earliest on the summer festival yeah. cal- uh, music festival calendars, yeah. Well, it's going to be um, uh, hopefully a year from now, Sunday the 26th of June. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what it's going to be. I mean, some of them are, though, still going ahead. I just checked this out and there are 10 to 20 that are still going on at the moment. And... A number of those are very well-known ones. Creamfields is one, which is a famous dance music festival, as is Latitude, still going on at the moment, which has got a lot of indie and alt-rock and pop bands. And then there's one that captures my own uh, ska music interest, which is 
Stone Valley Festival, not so well known as some of those others, in the Midlands. And there's, um, it's supposed to be going on in the last weekend of August, and there are loads of really great 1980s ska bands that'll be, uh, you know, that'll be playing up, and a lot of new ones too, from the from the whole of the British Isles, actually, including the Republic of Ireland. So, um, yes, lots lots may be going on. Should anybody be finding themselves over to the UK, then uh, might be worth checking out because there's nothing like a UK music festival or Northern European one when you have those 10 p.m. late bright evenings you know it doesn't get dark yeah, big, so, so yeah. cool when it's still it's sort really of bright incredible. when it's like almost midnight it, yeah it is so fingers crossed that they can do it because also just the fact that it's above 20 degrees centigrade puts the whole crowd into a good mood as well <laughs> you know it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen for the rest of the year so yeah and um finally then so that was three music related things out of hong kong and finally a brief number and i've sent you a couple of pictures on this one I, I i find that some of the figures are so phenomenal with fine art auctions and they've really rocketed over the last year where people haven't known those who have got spare change a bit more than spare change um have been looking to the fine art world to invest and i know we've spoken about this quite a bit but it has really pushed up the prices there are certain things that have prospered during the COVID times and I can think off the bat fine art is definitely one of them because I've been noticing new records being set among artworks being sold. The other thing which I had a little insight into because of some uh, magazine work that I did is also there have never been so many luxury yachts sold around the world. That's an interesting one. Nothing to do with art though. Although um, although I have uh, when I have sometimes written about yachts people do keep artwork um you know uh, that could be in a museum sometimes on their yacht so it's um so they, they, they like to see it around them so people are enjoying things that they can do and i hope that we're wrong sometimes that people aren't just buying fine arts to put it into a vault as you know as used to be the case from the 1970s when van gogh um collectors in japan were doing exactly that uh who drove up the price of van gogh paintings and they would never be they'd never see the light of day to protect mm -hmm. them from uh, fading in the sunlight um but uh, yeah i hope that some people are enjoying these works but um a particular artist then the pictures that i sent you that is jean-michel basquet um a, a very french origin of name but, uh, but actually an american artist who did he's a late artist so he did paintings the ones i've sent you um are typical of his work and the, this, the, these are the very three paintings that form together to make what is called a triptych three paintings in one forming one image and they were sold in hong kong by sotheby's hong kong but by a special first time let's get a celebrity in to uh um to be the mc for a big auction a big music celebrity jay chu who's the taiwanese pop singer who's very popular across yeah, a lot of yeah wow yeah 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 he actually he was hosting it and another uh, and bit have uh, decided on this format he's the first one to do it there might be more coming up that's their plan uh the, the as with many abstract works that we've talked about before and some that i've seen recently in that surrealism exhibition that's on in the history of art in tim's choi right now 
when it comes to abstract work, there's nothing an abstract painter likes more than sometimes having a no name on their painting. So, there, so when you see it in a gallery, it's got the word untitled written there to, uh, to hammer home the point that there is no name for the artwork. And the star piece of the auction that took place on the 19th of June, so a couple of weeks ago, that netted just the shade under 1 billion Hong Kong dollars. It was 951 million Hong Kong dollars for 46 lots, so 46 um, groups of artworks. And a, a group or a lot is often one painting or one artwork, as it was in the case of the three pieces that were all painted on wood that form one artwork. Um, it, it was just an incredible amount. This one piece then sold that was untitled, sold for two, well, just under 290 Hong Kong million dollars. So, hmm. million Hong Kong dollars, I should say. That's 37.3. Um, I mean, but he is, he is a legend of uh, modern art. And it, he started off with graffiti-inspired pieces, but then went on to doing more using a paintbrush and acrylic paints, as is the piece that you see in front of you. Now, Noreen, I'm sure you um, will have a few words to say about the three panels that make up the painting. <laughs> which um, I'll just tell the listener, I'll just start off by saying that, that there are three of them. On the left, there's a light white background piece that has a kind of monster or creature on its upper half. And then in the middle, there's something that looks a little like a Mexican riding on a donkey. And then the third one, there's almost an X-ray image of a cartoonish character um, showing their internal organs. But as a whole, these three And images, let's not forget that X-ray image, that guy. You can see all his teeth, <laughs> like 40 teeth. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who has I know. Got... It's so weird, know, Andrew. Like, yeah. stop sending me weird things. No, I'm just joking. It's, it's delightful, I suppose. I can see why it's worth so much money. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, uh, it, it, it is. It is. I mean, it's typical. It, he does do very um, childlike images. It's fair to say. It's not. You know, I wouldn't be the first to to say that. It's... Or in the art world, they might be called a certain uh, naive style. That's how it's preferred. Oh to, right. To There's a style for it. Well, why not just get a yeah. child to draw it? I mean, why is it adult? I, that, that, that's what I was waiting for. Sorry. That's what I thought. I also. I also. As a, as a mum with some young ones, and I've seen some of your children's lovely drawings, I just thought that might be coming up. Exactly. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Guppy's four, and I'm not saying it's she can draw like that, but not far off, if I may. You know, I'll I'll just yeah. I'll just WhatsApp you back some of her pictures right now, so you can enjoy it off so air. You do. I, I mean, I hope that you'll make that you have a little notebook of ideas from Arting Around segments, because um, one of your ideas was um, was either putting into jars some of Hong Kong's fragrances around because we were talking about some, some other artists' work, conceptual pieces of having uh, certain, um, you know, smellable fragrances in jars. Exactly. Um, Sham in a jar or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, and auction it off. I don't know. Sham Po in the year 2021. And then I'll auction it off at, I don't know, 2052. And then so people will Maybe get a piece of... A yeah. Yeah, maybe you could have a whole a whole sequence of vintages, if you like, for the airs, uh, like you have with wine, with different jar labels on them. You know, from twenty one to let's say thirty or whatever it is, a few years, yeah. and uh, and notice instead of like a wine tasting, do a jar smithing. 
And, uh, you know, that, and that in itself could be a performance piece. Exactly. Or, exactly, or <laughs> just um, a couple of newspaper clippings of, of the biggest news that year, put it in a jar, news in a jar, or, I don't know, jar news, or, I, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> and that's art. Yeah. Are, you, are you brainstorming with yourself? Yeah. <laughs> for the captain? The captain, no. Yeah, keep... Keep working on that one, Dory. And then there's also there's also you and your other half and family getting up on stage and telling your life story until the security kicks you off. Um, and then there's getting your kids to do some uh, um, uh, overpriced artwork in a in a traditional kid style. Exactly. So I think, uh, I'm pretty. Uh, I, I, I won't quit the day job yet, but I'll keep these ideas no. flowing. We're expecting big things from you in a, in, a, in, a, in an art centre near us. In the near future. <laughs> well, Andrew, it's always so nice to have you enlighten us uh, with your art knowledge and the art news. It's always so interesting. Thank you. I learned something new all the time. Like, for example, I didn't realize that, you know, hip hop music perhaps originated from the Deep South rather than, you know, New York than we would always used to think, or there was a, a larger black population. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah so that's very interesting well, indeed. Good to chat with you on matters artistic, and uh, yeah, wish and you a good weekend. Thank you very much, and we'll be tuning into your show tomorrow afternoon uh, with you, Andrew ah, and Bina. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll chat to you again next week on the show. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.